Well, I've already said I'm speaking to those of you who are fathers today. I realize there are some men who don't have or have not had children. Some of you don't have children still living in the home. Obviously, there are women here today, um, not just men. So if you're not a father or you don't have children living in the home, let me just remind us all that in Psalm 68.5, it says that God is a father to the fatherless. And that's an important word in our day because there are so many children in our culture that are fatherless. And I don't know, you've probably heard that verse before. I don't know how you think uh, that happens, that God is a father to the fatherless. But I want to say to you that we, uh, his church, the body of Christ, are the hands and feet for people, specifically children, young people, to experience God today. There are young men and women out there who don't have a father, who need to know a heavenly father, and they need someone to stand in the gap and bring healing to their father wound. And this is where the church fits in. It's where you and I fit in. And certainly all of us need to be concerned with the epidemic of fatherlessness in our culture. Census Bureau tells us in the most recent census that about 19.5 million children live without a father in the home. That's one out of every four children growing up in our country. Regarding fatherless children, the Department of Justice gives us these facts. 63% of youth, children, and youth suicides are children and teens from fatherless homes. 85% of all children with behavioral disorders are from fatherless homes. 90% of runaways and homeless teens are from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts from fatherless homes. 70% of those in juvenile detention facilities, fatherless homes. 75% in adolescent substance abuse treatment facilities, fatherless homes. 75% of adolescent rapists, fatherless homes. 72% of adolescents who commit murder, murder, fatherless homes. Now let me pause and be clear and, and speak encouragingly to single moms here today. I would correctly surmise that of those horrible statistics I just read, not only were those children fatherless, but they likely had no relationship to the body of Christ. Connection to the body of Christ, if you're a single mom here today, your connection to the body of Christ can help overcome the disadvantages that fatherless children struggle with. Why? Because this is a great extended family that can make up for a lot of the, the typical shortcomings of life with an absent father. And I certainly, if you're here today as a single mom, I would certainly not diminish the incredible influence of a strong, godly mother. I had one. I'm not one of those statistics. In fact, I never even came close, although I grew up without a father. Now, my wife and children would probably say I do have some behavioral disorders. <laughs> but other than that, you single moms are heroes. And I want to say this morning, I'm so grateful that you have sought out the connection of a church body. It tells me you're doing everything you can to raise your children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And it tells me that you have great faith in the promise of God that he will be a father to the fatherless. That's what the church body is here for, for you as single moms. For me, it was guys like Paul Martin. When I was in Cub Scouts, and it came time for the, uh, the annual Pinewood Derby race, Paul Martin, who lived about three doors down, had me come down to his shop, and he worked with me and helped me and taught me how to make a Pinewood Derby car. 
was David Stevens. Anytime, you know, when I was growing up, I grew up in a church of about 300 people. I literally did not know another young man or, or girl in our church that was from a broken home. Anytime there was a, a camping trip or a fishing trip, David Stevens made sure that he included me with his son, John. And David Stevens' house was a place that I spent a lot of time hanging out, just getting to be around a man. Dennis Nelson, I'm ashamed to tell you, I, I had some behavioral disorders. I, with a buddy of mine in fifth grade, frustrated Dennis Nelson, the Sunday school teacher, so badly that he just walked out of class. <laughs> just being honest. But later, when I grew up a little bit, Dennis Nelson was the one who would take me as a teenager out in the intercoastal waterway there where we lived and uh, teach me how to water ski and take me skiing nearly every Sunday afternoon. They were fathers to the fatherless. Now, the challenge this morning is primarily for dads, but for those of you who don't have the title but graciously fulfill the role as best you can, this is also for you and for all of us, okay? Let's turn to a very familiar passage this morning, Deuteronomy Chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. To me, this is the greatest passage on the role of a father. I'll give you the background here. The children of Israel are about to enter into the promised land. They have been given the Ten Commandments. You can probably see it a page or two back in your copy of God's Word there in Deuteronomy. They've been reminded to love God. They've been reminded to keep His commands in order to enjoy a long, full life. And now they're given a very specific reminder about passing the commands, not just the Ten Commandments, but the law of God, passing that, building an obedient heart and life into their children and raising children who are going to love and honor God. And I want you to understand this word, the entire assembly is gathered. All of Israel is gathered. Moses is addressing them before they enter the promised land. And even though this is spoken to the entire assembly, everyone's there. Men, women, boys, girls, the aged, the youngest, they're all there. And it's spoken to the entire assembly, but it's primarily spoken to the fathers. But the good thing about the entire assembly hearing it is there's some accountability there. Careful with the elbows, please, ladies, okay? Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be upon your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates." Now, before we completely dive in here, let me just mention something in this passage, a really important message in this passage that is easily missed. As he's addressing the Israelites, and specifically the fathers, he's warning them to be careful not to give up custody of their children. You see that? You don't see that in there, do you? It's in there. If you look at the passage through spiritual lenses, you'll notice that God is very specific about the spiritual training of children. He's telling the men of Israel that they're responsible for impressing the commands and the decrees of God on the hearts of their children. Look what he says, you do this when? When you, verse seven, when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, what is he saying? All day long, 
all day long, every opportunity that avails itself, whether you're at home, whether you're out, whether you're putting your kids to bed at night, whether you're getting them up in the morning, all day long, you're to impress them with the commands and the decrees of God. Now, why did he tell men that? That word would not have been given if the men had not had the tendency to let the spiritual training of their children slide. If they'd been fulfilling their responsibility. Well, what, what does that have to do with us today? Well, this is a warning not to give away the spiritual custody of your children, men. We live in an outsourced society, don't we? You look at a, a tag in your clothing, maybe to figure out how to launder it, and you see it's made where? China, India, Vietnam, Macau. You pick up items around your house and you quickly discover that very few of those items are made in the United States. Why? Because there are very few things we labor to make because someone else can do it and they can probably do it cheaper and it costs us little and takes no effort. And that same line of reasoning has led to another outsourcing epidemic and that epidemic is found in the church. Some parents have outsource the responsibility for raising their children spiritually to the church. Listen, Casey would tell you, Brad would tell you, anyone involved in working with our children and teens would tell you that kids who are strong spiritually, kids who are walking with God, are typically from homes where discipleship and training in the things of God is happening in the home. The children's ministry and the student ministry is just here to resource and to affirm the work that's already happening in the home. Now, there are always, and I saw these when I was a student pastor, always a few of what we would call miracle kids that come from ungodly homes and unchurched families, and, and they really walk with the Lord, but that's very, very rare. And dads, the church can't disciple your kids. We have a lot of good spiritual programming that can supplement or, or reinforce that process. But honestly, the church has an extreme failure rate when it comes to discipling kids to the point that they walk with the Lord if it's just being done in the vacuum of the church. And it's insanity. You know the definition of insanity, right? You keep doing the same thing over and over and expect different results. We, for years, have expected different results, but it has never worked out. Some parents just want to put their kids in a program uh, at the church rather than do it themselves. They give over spiritual custody of their children to the church, and then they wonder when their kids are older why they're not walking with the Lord. Raising God-honoring children is an investment that many are not willing to make because the labor cost is high. And the job is very intensive, but there's no sacrifice. You ask anyone who has put the time and the effort in, there's no sacrifice too big or no cost too high in exchange for shepherding your own children and seeing, as John said in 1 John 4, seeing that your children, rejoicing that your children are walking in truth. But the church can't do that. And what that means for us as dads and moms as well is we may have to reprioritize it. It could even mean a change of job or perhaps... Uh, giving up a hobby. And here in Deuteronomy, the Lord makes it clear to parents, and again, specifically to dads, that we, dads, must lead in the spiritual development of our children. What, 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 what will that take? What would that look like today? Listen, I don't, I don't want to beat up on you today. I just want to give you some, some encouragement. I want you to look at some simple characteristics I'm going to share with you today, just six 
And, and as we look at these characteristics, I want you to think about where you're strong and, and where you'd like to grow. And I'm going to make it really simple today. I'm going to do something I don't normally do. I'm going to use an acrostic, and I'm going to use the word father to lay out these characteristics that, that you need to have to tackle the responsibility described here in Deuteronomy 6. So let's do that. Father, starting with the word F, you need to be a man who is faithful. A man who is faithful. Now, let me be clear when I say a man who's faithful. Not just a man who has faith. Not just a man who can say that he has placed his faith in Christ, but a man who is daily applying his faith. That makes him a faithful man. It's a normal part of his daily routine. He's faithful in his relationship with the Lord. What does that mean? It means that he is spending time daily with the instruction manual. He is daily spending time in the Word of God. He is daily studying Scripture. He's daily looking to Scripture to see what he needs to be. And listen, this is foundational. The letter F could also stand this morning, stand this morning for foundational. If you don't get this, nothing else works. It's foundational that you be a man who walks in faith. It's a normal part of your daily routine. You understand the importance of investing the word of God into your own life. You'll notice in Deuteronomy 6, he says, these truths, these commands are to be on your heart. If the commands are not on your heart, you can't share the commands with your children. That's why it's not very successful as dads. It's not very successful for us to send our children to church to learn the things of God and then expect them to walk with God. If they don't see it in us, it ain't going to work. You've all heard the statistics. We, we've quoted them I don't know how many times about how many kids that grow up in church finish high school, go to college, and leave church behind. And we think, well, why does that happen? Boy, they were in church, they were in Sunday school, they were at, at youth stuff on Wednesday nights, they went to camp, they went to retreats. How, how did they walk away? Let me tell you, the reason they walked away was not because church didn't have good programming. The reason they walked away is they didn't see faith lived out in the life of their parents and specifically their father. They didn't see that faith made any difference at all. So they didn't need it. So they walked away from it. Paul in 1 Timothy 4, 7 told Timothy, you need to train yourself to be godly. It's, it's not automatic. It doesn't just happen. Just because you place your faith in Christ doesn't mean you're going to be godly. You have to spend consistent time training yourself. And this is the training manual where you learn to be godly. Men, you shouldn't go a day without time in the word of God or you're going to be so far off course. Psalm 143.8, David said, remind me each morning of your constant love, for I put my trust in you. Listen, teach me the way that I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Every day you need time in the word of God to know the direction that you should go as a dad, as a man, and as a leader of your home. Charles Spurgeon once said, a Bible that is falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. You know, often, and I learned this from, uh, from Brother Paul Sanders, often when I'm going to do a funeral, I'll ask when I visit with a family before the funeral to see uh, the person's Bible. And I've seen over and over again how true it is. Because those whose funerals I do that clearly walked with God, their Bibles are a mess. Pages are falling out, the cover is worn smooth off. As a dad, you've got to be faithful in the things of God, in the word of God. You've got to be faithful in prayer. 
As you pray, so you are. You can never be a a better, more faithful father apart from significant time in prayer. No matter how much time and effort you put into fathering, no matter how much you know or how much skill you have, you can never be all that God intended for you to be as a man, as a father, without spending time in God's word and prayer. And what you become as a man, what you become as a father for the glory of God and his kingdom's work in your home and in your family depends on prayers. It depends on nothing else in the world. What happens when you pray? Well, if you're spending consistent time studying the word of God, the author of this book, and you can look in the table of contents, you won't see this, so just trust me, the author of this book is the Holy Spirit of God. It is God-breathed. And when you spend time in prayer and you spend time in the word, as you spend time in prayer, he, he illumines the truths in this book. Oh, I know, I've said the same thing as you. Boy, that's confusing. Well, apart from the Holy Spirit of God shedding, shining light on the truth, it is going to be confusing. But as you pray, he illumines his word. He, as you pray and you spend time in his word, he, he changes the troublesome parts of your heart and your life and he gives you direction for your family. No man's outer life as a father is going to rise above his inner life, his time in the word and prayer. Churched kids don't leave the church because they didn't like it, because it didn't help them. They leave the church because they didn't see that faith was for real. A father has to be a faithful man. Letter A, a father has to be available. It's got to be available. Now, let me tell you something that may surprise you. You know, you always learn new things about someone, even when you've known them for many, many years. You think, wow, that's surprising. I didn't know that. Uh, I'm an archer. I can, with a traditional long bow, I can hit the bullseye on a target 90 plus percent of the time without fail. Do y'all know that about me? I can, as long as I'm within three feet of that target. My error increases with distance. And the same was always true in my relationship with my kids. You know, there's that old quantity versus quality argument. Dad's got to work 80 hours a week to provide the big house and the nice SUV and the boat and the vacation. So kids, dad's got 30 minutes for you at X time on Saturday morning. Let's make it quality. No. Availability grows from our priorities. And my wife and my children will tell you, not because I complained about it, but there were ministry opportunities I had when they were younger that I would have loved to have done, but I passed. Because it would have taken too much time. And it was never a sacrifice for me to have time with my kids. I've never regretted spending more time with my kids. I've never heard an older man say, I wish I had worked more. Doesn't happen. It's priorities. Nothing wrong with hunting or golfing or or fishing, but we do have to evaluate and ask ourselves how much are we available to our kids? Are they the primary priority? And, And availability is more than just being present in the home. Availability is not being physically present, sitting in the recliner, watching a ball game for hours when your kids need your attention. Yuri Bronfenbrenner was a psychology professor at Cornell University, and he did a study one time on how much time dads spent with their preschoolers. 
did a survey and, and basically the average that most dads uh, claimed was they spent at least 15 to 20 minutes a day when they got home from work, at least 15 to 20 minutes a day interacting with their preschoolers. Well, Bronfenbrenner put mics on the preschoolers, sent them back into their home, and what he discovered was that the average dad spent 37 seconds in encounters of 10 to 15 seconds each with his preschooler. Paul's admonition in Ephesians 5, verses 15 and 16 certainly applies to dads. Be careful how you walk. Not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, making the most of the opportunity. Letter T, he's faithful, he's available, he's a man who understands the importance of training. That's what's really at the, the heart of this passage. He's telling dads, you need to be the primary trainer for your child, not teacher. There's a, there's a big difference in teaching and training. Dads, often, we, we love to teach. We love to spout off all the useful information we know. And, and teaching, imparting knowledge, here's the thing about that. You can actually teach things you aren't good at. You can spend enough time studying a subject, and you can teach that even though you may not be good at it. In fact, you can teach things that you don't even practice. And you can also teach from a distance. We train. What does that mean? We, we do it with them. We work with them. We help them learn the skill, help them do it right. Both of my daughters, uh, my son certainly, but both of my daughters also are, are pretty handy with tools. They can build things. They, they like to build things. I bought uh, both of my girls for Christmas. Was it Sanders or Saws? I don't know. I think it was circular saws, yeah. Bought both of my girls circular saws for Christmas. Guys, don't do that for your wife, okay? They loved it. But you know, when they were first learning, imagine that I'm trying to teach a five or six-year-old girl or boy how to drive a nail. When I was trying to teach my daughters how to drive a nail, I took them to this great seminar on nail driving. No, I didn't do that. I had them watch some videos on nail driving. No, I didn't do that. What did I do? put the nail in their hand and I put my hand around their hand and took the hammer and showed them how to start the nail and how to, how to drive the nail. As men, we're, we're trainers. We have to model the principles and the most effective teaching or training is by example. And you may be sitting there thinking, man, I don't, I don't really know how to effectively walk with God. How am I going to train my kids to do that? You only have to be one step ahead. Just one step. Tony Campolo, a Christian who's a sociologist, said it this way, parents are crucial. Let me rephrase. Dads are crucial. If dads fail, there's a strong likelihood that children will fail. Their values and lifestyle tend to be replicated in their children. If dads are into drugs and alcohol, their children are likely to follow. If dads don't get married, their children usually become parents out of wedlock. If dads are uninterested in learning, their children will probably not get through high school. And most important, if dads do not walk with Christ, their children, even if they become Christians, can be expected to drift away from Christian commitments. That's what I was saying to you earlier. 
Just because you're a Christian, just because you attend church, just because your kids make a decision for Christ, just because they attend church, that doesn't mean they're going to stick with those commitments. They're likely going to drift if they don't see the faith lived out in your life. Letter H. A father who's going to accomplish what we're called to here in Deuteronomy 6 has to be a man who has a heart. Now, I'm not talking about the fact you have an organ beating in your chest, keeping you alive. I'm talking about a heart that enables you to connect with your children on an emotional or a soul level. You see, as men, our tendency is not an emotional connection. Our tendency is to be the lawgiver and disciplinarian. We don't usually take the time to find out what's really happening and what's on the child's heart. We just come in and, and react and do what we got to do to get them straightened out. Josh McDowell once said, rules without relationship equals rebellion. We can't just be the lawgiver. We have to know our kids. We have to spend enough time. Luann would always say to me when I'd ask, no, you need to be a student of your children. You need to figure that out. And that was exactly right. We just like to come in and try to fix everything. And here's the tough word on this, men. If you have daughters, it's especially difficult with daughters, but we have to connect with them emotionally. We have to pay attention to their feelings. We have to unlock their emotional pain. And that means when they're in middle school, you got to listen to a lot of rambling <laughs> You got to sit and you got to sift through what she's saying you got to connect. You can't just be a fix-it guy. Now, there are times you do need to fix it, okay? I heard about a guy that went to a marriage seminar and heard this principal taught about relationship with his wife. She didn't always want you to fix it. She just wants you to hear her and to feel her pain. And the weekend after the seminar, he got up on Monday morning to go to work, and he walked out to get in his car, and his wife was still there. She usually is before him, and she's on the other side of her car, and he walks around to see what's going on. She has a flat tire. She says, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm be late for work. I have a flat tire. I said, Honey, I'm so sorry. I know just how you feel. And he got in his car and went to work. <laughs> Sometimes you need to fix it, but don't be the fix-it guy. Connect with your kids on a heart level. Letter E, a man who is focused on eternity for yourself and for your children. Thinking about when you step into eternity, if you stand before God and he asks, how did you lead the family I entrusted to you? How do you prepare for that moment? Think about your, your children's eternity. How are you helping them prepare for eternity? Or are, are they seeing the, through you the importance of living for eternity? Are they driven by eternity because we're driven by eternity? When Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 7, train yourself to be godly, he followed it in verse 8 saying this, godliness has value for all things, for present things and for the life to come. That's why we want to be godly men. That's we want to, why we want to train our children to be godly. Because it makes a difference in eternity. And, and the question I want to ask is, is my legacy going to leave evidence of godly fatherhood? And for those of you who still have children in the home, especially those of you who have very young children, you have to think ahead. You have to think down the road. And you have to develop with your wife the plan and, and the blueprint. What, what do we want the finished product to look like? And, and how are we going to get there? What am I passing on to the generations that follow that will last into eternity? And then letter R. The man's faithful, he's available, 
He's a trainer. He has a heart, an emotional connection. He's, he's focused on eternity. And, and R, he redeems the time. I've got in my office a big uh, jar, vase kind of thing. It's got 936 marbles in it. And I take it with me every time I teach a, a class to parents. It's really for the dads more, more than the moms. 936, that's uh, 52 times 18. 52 weeks a year, 18 years. And I tell dads, you know, what you need to do, it doesn't have to be marbles, could be pennies, whatever. A couple of dads have actually done the marbles. In fact, I think Russ Rhodes, you in here in the choir? Where are you, Russ? I think Russ has done this with his boys. 936 marbles, and each week you take one out. It's amazing how fast that level in the jar goes down. We've got to be very cognizant of the time we have. Moses in Psalm 90, verse 12, Lord, teach us to number our days correctly. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. I was talking to a couple of our staff guys this week, and I mentioned the fact that God willing, I hope to have 10 more years here in ministry. And I want to make sure those 10 years count. More than all the previous years, I want to be sure those years count. I want to be always cognizant that the clock is ticking. The pages are being ripped off the calendar. As dads, we need to be very cognizant and, and redeem the time. There's a New Testament principle I want to close with this morning. It, it correlates to Deuteronomy 6. It's found in Ephesians 6, chapter 4, excuse me, verse 4, Ephesians 6, 4. From Deuteronomy 6, 4 to Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. You know what frustrates kids? Fathers who are absent. Fathers who are not connected. For fathers of faith, what exasperates kids is not having a father actively involved in their life and specifically not having a father who's training them spiritually. Several years ago, I got a lot of insight into my own life when I read a book my two psychologists, David Stroop and Steve Arterman, called The Angry Man. And they opened the book telling stories of men, for example, Cliff. Cliff was a Christian, very active in his church, very mild-mannered man. Cliff, one afternoon, went out back to mow. His wife was watching through the kitchen window. He couldn't get the mower started. It was only a year old. Finally got it started, took about two steps, and it died. Cliff came in the house, went into the den, got his deer rifle and several shells, and went out and finished off the mower. It's funny, but Janice is watching this through the window. She's shocked. She's never seen this kind of behavior. Comes in. She's hysterical. Cliff, what's going on? He doesn't speak, doesn't say anything. And we've seen, that's a funny story, but we've seen lots of men in our society who are angry, and they do something horrible, and their neighbors say, well, I had no idea. He was so quiet, such a nice guy, so mild-mannered. Well, Arterburn and Stroop, in looking at all these stories and doing whatever it is psychologists do, 
came to this conclusion. Experts are discovering that the primary source of the seething undercurrent of anger that pervades much of the male population is the diminishing influence of the father in a man's life. A number of studies in recent years have shown that less than 1% of males have or have had a close relationship with their father. Large number of adult males today have grown up virtually without their fathers and they are hurt and angry because of it. How much more true for fathers who know the Lord. And they frustrate their children by not being involved and not teaching them how to walk with God, not teaching them the things and truths of God so that when they leave the home, they're frustrated, they're angry, their faith makes no sense, and they walk away. Men, you've got it. You just need to put it into practice. Single moms, there are men in our church that can help step in. You just need to let us know. God is a good, good father. We are to be in his image. We're to be his representation to this culture. 